It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, good <laughs> All right, welcome back to Draws and Fades, episode 95, preview of the RBC Heritage at Harbortown Golf Links in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I'm your host, Owen Vrabel, joined by my co-host, Matthew Miller. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Producer Nick Boss. What's going on, fellas? Nice to see you guys this week. Nice to see you boys as well. Um, not quite the Masters week we had hoped for. Obviously not quite as appealing as we would have liked. Scotty Scheffler kind of ran away with it. Um, just some drama here and there on the weekend, but overall nothing too exciting, especially for our cards. Although I guess Rory did make a run for Matt late. Um, we'll give a brief recap of the Masters, um, what went well, what didn't, mostly what didn't. Um, but <laughs> we're still looking forward to the rest of the PGA Tour season. And if you're looking forward to the rest of the PGA Tour season too, make sure to win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's PGA Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate? Rotoballer's PGA Premium DFS package includes exclusive tools, DFS cheat sheets, research stations, and our lineup optimizer. So much more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your PGA Premium Pass for 50% off. And use our promo code DNF10 for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com slash radio to sign up today. Start rotoballing like a boss. Uh, so like I said, we'll give our thoughts on the Masters, and then we're on to Harbortown. RBC Heritage, they were our strategy for this week. Betting come up, coming off our first major of the year. Stronger field than I think most people typically expect coming off a major. Um, but there, there's some big names here this week, so it's exciting. Good odds on FanDuel. We'll go through the odds list there, give our outright plays, top 10s, top 20s, top 30s. Our one-and-done picks, I'm still hanging on in the top 300 of the Mayo, one-and-done, so we will get into that as well. Um, and as always, give us a follow on Twitter, at MattyMills85, at Owen underscore Vrabel, and at Draws underscore N underscore Fades. And we're back at it, boys. Not the week we were looking for, for sure. And it kind of sucks when a major goes like that. I mean, there was really not a lot to look forward to. I had one good thing go right for me this week, and it was that Tiger Woods actually played pretty well Thursday and Friday. Made the cut. First winning bet of the week. Only winning bet of the week. So that's basically where I left off. And it was nice to see him back out there, but... Other than that, I mean, Brooks Koepka was a disaster. Uh, Justin Thomas played horribly on Thursday, played his way out of the tournament. 
even though he gave me signs of life on the weekend. And you could kind of say the same for a lot of the bigger names. Morikawa finished well. Sal Torres finished well. Um, obviously, Rory played really well on Sunday, shot eight under. But there was really no drama. Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler should have been written in the stars. We should have seen it, but we didn't. Um, and, I, you know, to our credit, I think the odds kind of dictated our thoughts on that. But they were easily the best players coming into this week in terms of the last – month and a half of golf and we decided to not indulge on either of them under 20 to one. So we didn't really have a chance on Sunday. So Matt, how are you feeling on the weekend knowing that really wasn't much we could do coming down the stretch? Yeah. I mean, it was like pretty much Friday afternoon. Um, it was a pretty depressing feeling going on. We kind of, and it was like at that point where you knew that Scheffler was playing so well and Cam Smith was really the only guy there that like, it wasn't even an option really to live bet it. You know what I mean? You would have had to hope for like a lot to go right for the guy you picked, you know, coming from seven back and a lot to go wrong for Scheffler. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was pretty depressing in that, in that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I live bet on Thursday night on JT again at 120 to one, which for, I guess like a day and a half felt okay. Cause he played really well Friday. It was what what was weird is that like when we were texting Friday afternoon, like it looked like the afternoon was playing really tough, and we thought for a minute like Schwartzel was going to be in the clubhouse with the lead going into the weekend at minus three because of how <laughs> tough the conditions were in the afternoon and like how much trouble those guys were having. And at that point, we were sitting there like, all right, like even Rory's only like five shots back of that, like he's still kind of alive. Like Berger was floating around even. I was optimistic, and then the way Scheffler closed. The day out, it was kind of like, well, this sucks. Yeah. You didn't have to completely collapse to have any chance. Yeah, I mean, Scheffler really didn't give much hope throughout the weekend. I mean, he played so good. There's no – I mean, he was above average in every aspect of his game. Not even above average. He was better than most at everything. He was great yeah. off the tee, great yeah. on approach. And every time he didn't hit a good approach, he was nails with a short game. I was just going to say that. I mean, him and around the green was – every time he got himself into trouble and you thought, like, oh, this, he could be looking at a bogey, he either had that ridiculous chip in on three or he put himself to, like, five feet. It was yeah, insane. but even if he, he – there were holes throughout Saturday, too, where he would be eight feet for par. Nails. Like, every time there was a chance to have a misstep, he didn't make one. So that was – that's why he's the number one player in the world right now. And it's, like – biggest rise we've seen in a while it's not like yeah. no one knew not no, like no one didn't know who scotty scheffler was it was just like no one thought that and us included never thought that scotty scheffler would in four of six tournaments and I rise say, to world number one. yeah i had a little like sliver of hope come in on sunday like when rory was making the run i was like oh man like just give me one double bogey and all of a sudden like he's gonna start feeling the nerves he's only like two up you know with like a couple holes left 18's been playing tough, like a lot can go wrong. Um, but to his credit, I mean, he just didn't make any mistakes. And the Cam yeah. did it. So, like, right, no, exactly. Yeah. And Cam put it in the water and made, like, whatever that was on triple. triple or, and it was like, whoa, dude, like, that happened to Scheffler. Like, who knows? You know, or if he hit one out of bounds or something. But no, Scheffler did what Cam Smith did. He, and then he four, and then he four putted 18, like he did. Him and Rory would have gone to a playoff. Yeah. Which was the same. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just – it was frustrating. It was too late right from Rory. And, like, that's what he does, and he just trolls me back in. So now I'm just, like, totally, like, sold already for the next major. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. Boss, do you have any thoughts on the Masters? No, I mean, we were kind of aligned. The only thing that saved me is I put put in a little Cam Smith top 10, which kind of bailed me out um, and gave me a little silver lining watching it. But none of the outrights were really close. I mean, the, you guys hit it spot on for Friday. You know, you thought the wind was really going to kick up and things are going to get ugly in the afternoon and it was going to leave a lot of guys uh, within reaching distance and it just didn't shake out that way at all. Then Saturday, you know, I mean, the conditions weren't windy, but the, you know, cooler temperatures definitely kind of affected things too. you know, guys not hitting as far and whatnot, but Scheffler was just incredible. I mean, just go back to think about, you know, we hit the, what was his first one was Phoenix at the beginning yeah. of February. Right. And he's just taken off like a rocket ship, like it's incredible. So, I mean, hats off to Scotty. Sometimes, you know, it's tough. We, we get in our own way because we don't think we think it's so tough to win golf tournaments, which it is. But like yeah. you know, like we just said, you know, Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler have been the two hottest golfers for the start of the year. Like it makes perfect sense that they were the guys this week. Right, but what Scotty Scheffler's done in the past month and a half, like not there's only been like a handful of guys that have done oh. it over the past twenty years. Basically, yeah. Tiger Woods, Dawson Johnson, Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, maybe. Yeah. That's basically it. It's incredible, too, how much um, the caddy comes into play. And, I mean, a lot of times I think they're the unsung heroes. But, you know, Ted Scott's definitely gotten the, a bit of a shine off this. But just how much that that's helped him this year, I think. And maybe it's overstated at this point because it's talked it might about just so be much. God's will, dude. Scotty said it was God's plan. So Yeah. Well, Who knows? It might just be God's plan. So, yeah. God. I mean, it's crazy to put it in perspective how much he's winning. Like, when you look at the odds list each week, like he just won as much in the last two months as Xander has his entire career, and he goes off at twenty-four to one in a major. You know what I mean? Like that's how impressive that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. When you put it like that, Xander yeah, goes up at twenty-four to one. Like Scotty Scheffler just did in two months what he's done his entire career, right? And, in more and, impressive tournaments, right? Mm-hmm. To be fair, his wins are better. Yeah, way yeah. better. Yeah, way better. Yeah, that's the thing too. It's and it's not like Scotty got you know some like off field event wins too. Like he's won big boy tournaments. The Masters yeah. obviously the biggest of them. Like no, yeah, but he won Masters, the match play Palmer, and, and waste management. Play, yeah. yeah, so impressive. One, yeah, one more thing. <laughs> Do you think? I mean, that Brooks performance was like Oof. an atrocity. Oh, um, he's like. Yeah. Do you think he's gonna leave Strixon? Like, I, it's, I feel like he's pissed off. I already saw the like. There was a photo he posted where – did you see this? No. He like posted the Instagram then deleted it because the club he was holding in the Instagram was a Titleist wedge. And people were like commenting on it because like he made the huge equipment change this year and he's already pissed off with his wedges, I guess. I feel like that might be coming. Was, was it, a, it was a photo from this weekend he was using Titleist Yeah, wedges? he posted it like, can't wait for the Masters, but it was like him with like the Titleist like Vokey wedge. Oh, uh, you think he was doing a little subtweet kind of deal? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what it was or if he was just using that club and he's already get, getting fed up with his new clubs. Interesting. Um, yeah, well, either way, I mean, I it's at the, at the end of the day, when he doesn't win a major and when he plays that poorly – it just means that, I mean, we already got a decent number on him this week. We're going to get another nice number at him, I would hope, at a U.S. Open or PGA. But those are the two that he obviously won in back-to-back years. So I don't know if it's if we're going to get that nice of a number. But yeah, you are like him. if he's not going to win, I'd rather him miss a cut. 
<laughs> Even though I did bet him top 10, so. Yeah, I don't know if I'd rather miss the cut than win. But, yeah, I mean, I guess for future bets, it's better off that he misses a cut. He, he's sitting yeah. at 16 for the PGA right now on FanDuel. But, I mean, those will readjust when we get closer. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I don't have a ton more to say on the Masters, I guess. Um, like I said, Morikawa, Zaltoris, Rory all played really well on Sunday. Schwartzel was impressive. Danny Willett was impressive. Um, Harry Higgs missed getting an invite to next year's uh, Masters by one stroke, which is unfortunate. Um, if yeah. Danny Willett had bogeyed 18 or Charles Schwartzel had given it a few more strokes back, he would have made the top 12 in ties, which would have gotten him an invite to next year. So now he has to requalify, which, as we know, probably it's going to be pretty difficult for Harry. So <laughs> um, that being said, Harry is here this week, and I think there are some takes to be had this week where where you think the guys who played in the Masters heads are at. I think a lot of people think there's a little bit of a lull after a major week, but the – Guys that have played at the Masters have played pretty well at the the RBC Heritage, of, you know, it's just so you have to look back at the last year. So um, I think there's plenty to be said about that. But, Matt, we are at Harbortown, which is a favorite of a few of our players that we like. Unfortunately, Abe Answer, one of the early WDs this week. I don't really know what's going on with him, but he will not be in attendance this week, which is unfortunate because we were waiting to play him at Harbortown. And we're going to get a good number coming off last week. Yeah. But he's not here. But what are we working with? Pete's Eye Design, shorter course, Harbor Town. Yeah, it's a par 71, around 7,100 yards. Uh, Bermuda greens with Pella Overseed, like you mentioned, a Pete Dye Design. Um, because it's a par 71, we're looking at three par fives, 11 par fours, and then four par threes, all of them pretty long, um, 190 yards plus. Despite the long par threes, uh, that that kind of makes the yardage even longer than it is, which is already short. Distance is not going to be important at all this week. It's more positioning yourself well off the tee. Um, there's a lot of holes, and I'm sure you hear this a ton of places with you know the overhanging trees. And if you hit it and if you miss in the wrong spot, you're not going to have an angle to go with the green, and you're going to be forced to kind of punch your way up the fairway. Um, so positioning off the tee is going to be a lot more important this week than distance. Like most Pete Dye courses, you're going to, you know, you want to be in position off the tee and then make your good approach shots. One thing I'll say about this course, um, it has the second smallest greens on tour. So that leads me to a few points. Uh, approach is going to be more important than usual because you have smaller targets you're shooting at. Um, and just because the greens are small, you're bound to miss more of them. So around the green and scrambling uh, might be something to look at this week and kind of put an emphasis on because you are going to be having to go up and down a little bit this week. Uh, past winners, we've seen Stuart Sink win last year at minus 19, Webb Simpson the year before at minus 22. You hate to see it, him beating Abe down the stretch there. Um, and then CT Penn won the year before at minus 12. So I don't know if you had any other thoughts on the week. I mean, I think for me, it's more looking at guys who could be accurate off the tee. And I mean, as always on these shorter courses, the accuracy aspect, if you are a longer hitter, you're going to be clubbing down. So that kind of leaves you the opportunity to be more accurate. So I wouldn't rely too much on the stats, but kind of just an overall understanding of guys are going to need to put themselves in position off the tee. Um, and then a premium on approach and around the green, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I mean, tight fairways, positional course. I mean, definitely a second shot course, even though a lot of your, a lot of the holes are not going to be long. So depending on how you play it, whether you want to hit three wood off the tee, you want to hit an iron, like you're going to have the ability to go in the green, in all the greens in regulation. And so I'm definitely looking at greens in regulation, guys who are playing well on approach. And I think this is another one of those courses where, you know, course history definitely matters. And I think playing well on other short type courses, even like Pete Dye design type courses, I think comes into play. There is just a strategical aspect to it, but it also just brings a ton of players into, into play. Like a normal week, a lot of the shorter hitters, you know, admittedly so say they don't really feel like they might have a chance, but this week they don't have to be as perfect. They're not going to have to be long off the tee. They're going to be able to hit the greens in two on par fours. The par threes are longer, but um, I think it does leave an interesting aspect from a betting angle. Like we do have a bunch of the world's best players here, but we have seen a mixed bag of winning players here. I mean, not even a mixed bag. Like we haven't really seen an elite player win besides Webb to a degree in 2020. And I don't think you would call him elite per se now. Um, CT Pan certainly not elite. Sadoshi Kadai are not elite. <laughs> Wesley Bryan, Brendan Grace, and then hey, CT you know, Jim is Perry. a uh, medalist at the Olympics. CT Pan, yeah, he is a medalist. At the, <laughs> he, is, he did, he did get a medal at the Olympics. Um, so yeah, I just think it, it gives you the option where if you feel like a guy sets up well for this course has good course history, but is fluttering down the odds board at 100 to 1. <clears throat> Again, we've seen some long shot wins this, win at this course, so I don't think that's crazy. But, you know, per usual, the obviously the better players, I think, will have a better chance. And there are some reasons to like players coming off the Masters. I think this – there. it's kind of – I don't really know exactly how to angle it, but the players that have played at the Masters have played well here the week after – that being said, they usually are the better players. Um, so I'm kind of looking for actually some of the players that played at the Masters, made the cut, but are also at some pretty good odds and are not necessarily considered the elite players in this field. Um, so other than that, yeah, I mean, typical week for me, approach play, uh, guys that can make some birdies. And in this scenario, I mean, you obviously do not have to be long off the tee. So guys, I think they can thrive in this type of shorter course atmosphere. So, yeah, it's Harbortown. I, I really do like this course. I think it's – kind of a, a, it's a gem and it doesn't necessarily get a ton of hype necessarily from the general betting public, but the guys like it. And that's why we're seeing the odds board look as it does. And we'll get into it now, but Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa are your favorites at 13 to one currently on FanDuel. I saw JT go off maybe a little bit lower than that at some point, but we're recording Monday night, Cameron Smith, plus 1,500, DJ plus 1,700, Patrick Handley also plus 1,700. So, I mean, five of the top ten players in the world right there are in attendance. And we got Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, Sung J M all at 20 to 1, and Corey Connors at 26. So those are your top nine guys in the field. Um, I do believe, even though I just mentioned that uh, long shots definitely have – a chance at this course, but I don't know, Matt. You thinking about any of these guys under twenty, under twenty six to one? Corey Connors are twenty six, but under twenty one. I think you can make a case for a few of them. Um, I think you could probably make a case for all of them. But. Yeah, I mean, 
Obviously, like I feel like it's a, a pretty good number for Dustin Johnson. I, I definitely thought about him. Um, if he kind of puts it together, I can see this being one of those events that he just kind of runs away with it. But I'm not going to do it this week. Um, I think the group, you know, one a little bit further down is more appealing to me just because of the because of the numbers. But yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly a case to be made for pretty much any of these guys. Like you said, I personally wouldn't go Matt Fitzpatrick. I know that he, this is a type of course that fits him and he likes it here, but uh, that number is a little too low for me for a guy that hasn't won over here yet. Yeah, that's fair. And I think the DJ comment is fair too. I mean, he's played here. I mean, he's played here four times and he hasn't finished worse since 28th, but he also doesn't have a top 10. So, um, you know, his pure advantage of being long off the tee doesn't really come into play here, but he also clubbing down, he could be much more accurate. And then obviously he's an elite iron player, so he's going to give himself plenty of chances at birdie. But I actually, and it's crazy because I, I rarely take this man, but I'm going to go to Corey Connors this week at 26 to one. He's been playing really good golf. And last year he finished eighth at the masters and then followed it up with a sixth, or fourth at the RBC. And this year we just saw him finish sixth at the Masters and playing as good a golf as we've seen him play recently. I mean, 11th at the Arnold Palmer, 26th at the Players, 35th at the Valero, and then sixth at the Masters. Great run of form. Um, kind of feel like he's going to just kind of roll that over. And it's not the top of the board in theory, I think, has bigger, you know, sites in mind in the RBC heritage, but anytime Corey Connors thinks he can get a win, I think he's going to be going after it, which his motivation should be probably the same no matter what tournament it is. He should probably be trying to win these tournaments, but um, I do like him this week. I think he's been very consistent. I like him at a shorter golf course. Um, he popped well in the model I made uh, where I feel like he's very consistent in hitting good drives. He's second in good drives gained over his last 36 rounds in this field. Second in greens and regulations gained, top 25 in a strokes gain approach. He's played well at other short golf courses. Um, yeah, Corey Connors, I didn't really think that that was going to be a play that I was going to make this week. I'm kind of upset because I think in the one and done with Mayo, I, I think he might be a little bit lower owned than some of these other top players here. So I was hoping I could take him, but I already used him. Um, and he, you know, finished in T35th for me, which didn't do shit. So <laughs> can't do anything there, but I'm going to take him at the top of the board at 26 to 1. Yeah, I don't hate that. Um, he's played obviously really well lately, good at the Masters. He made that run in the match play. And I think, you know, if we learned anything from the last couple of weeks, sometimes it's just as simple as playing, you know, the hottest golfer. Um, you know, that the last week we saw that with Scotty Scheffler, the last couple of weeks, he's just kind of been the hottest guy going in, and he continued it. So I don't hate that strategy with Connors. He's playing really well right now. So um, Yeah, I and from that standpoint, like I also seriously thought about Shane Lowry, um, who's been really good on approach, really good in greens regulation. He's great with the shorter irons. Uh, you know, he's very consistent off the tee. He's <laughs> – He's gotten four consecutive top 13 performances going back to the Honda where he finished runner-up, 13th at the Players, 12th at the Valspar, 3rd at the Masters. Um, and he has two top 10s at the RBC. I think he's pretty fair lean this week as well. I considered him. I considered Sungjae to a degree. I think his performance last week was pretty impressive as well. And it's, it's funny because I'm definitely feeding the top 
players here, which, you know, may not be a smart strategy, but Sungjae also finished 13th here last year. And honestly, if they were back where Connors was, it probably would have made it a little bit tougher of a decision, but getting the 26 instead of the 20 in Connors, I felt like it was worth it. So that's where I went. That being said, Morikawa obviously coming off a great performance. Cam Smith coming off a great performance. JT showed signs of serious life, and he's probably still very due to win a tournament. So he could be scary here. His driver was an absolute catastrophe at times at the Masters. So he won't have to bring that out of the bag as much, which could benefit him. So all the guys up here are scary. I went with Corey Connors, and we're going to go from there. So I think moving down the board, we've got a bunch of guys between 30 and 50. You got Daniel Berger at 31 to 1, Webb Simpson, Joaquin Neiman at 31 and 32 to 1, and Tyrrell Hatton, Jordan Spieth at 37 to 1, Russell Henley, Billy Horschel, Tommy Fleetwood at 40 and 42 to 1, and then Harold Varner and Kevin Kisner at 45, and then a bunch of guys over 50. This is another week where DraftKings and FanDuel both released their odds at different times. DraftKings came out first. At a pretty big discrepancy, like Henley was at 22 on DraftKings to start, and now, you know, FanDuel's offering a 40, 45. You know, we're recording when we're recording. You can jump on numbers when you see them. I think it's not a horrible strategy. Russell Henley is still at 22 to 1 on DraftKings, so you can still get him a better number at FanDuel. And that goes to be said with a lot of these players. They have a little bit of a variance in terms of where they're placing their guys this week. So, Definitely take a peek at what the best prices are. But between 31 and 50, Matt, where'd you guys go? Yeah, I I like Daniel Berger, 31 to 1. Um, you know, we know he's kind of, in the last couple of years, put in, um, put more of an emphasis on his you know accuracy off the tee and kind of sacrificed a little bit of the distance. But it's working out pretty good for him. I think he's going to be putting himself in pretty good position off the tee. He's been pretty dependable in that department. Um, he has good irons, although they've been, you know, a little sloppy, um, sloppier as of late than kind of what we saw going into this year where he was, you know, the best in every field and in the statistics. Um, but I still am confident in his iron game. He's good around the green. He's gained there in six of his last seven events. And he's got good history here. He's got a 13th and a third his last two appearances at this course. So, um, I thought he had a good first couple days at the Masters, kind of fell apart a little bit on the weekend. Um, well, he played like shit on Sunday. He was eight over on Sunday. So yeah. We throw, we throw it out. So, yeah, one bad round. A little motivation going into this week. But actually, yeah. I thought it was a pretty good number to get him in the 30s uh, just because he has he has. Won. I love it. Yeah. DraftKings has, DraftKings has him at 18. FanDuel has him at 31. I love David Rigger at 31 to 1. Yeah, I mean, you said, first of all, I think you could also throw out his – you know, the players, his approach game, at least. I mean, he finished 13th. Somehow he lost two and a half strokes on approach, which is super unlike him. He's still second in this field in stroke scan on approach over his last 36 rounds. Still really good with his short irons. I mean, proximity from 125 to 150. He's first in that range. Plays really well on courses under 7,200 yards. He's first in that range in this field as well over his last 36 rounds in the shorter courses. 31 is a great number. I'm on board with that as well. And I think, I mean, you were on board with his collapse, so to speak, uh, at the Honda. Um, so 
I think he's still due to, to have a really good performance and, and win a tournament. And I think this week's as good of a week as, as there is. So I love yeah, I his course history I, as well. I've seen people like the slander on Twitter about Daniel Berger, who I get like maybe I guess now a lot of people don't like him. Um, we like him. He's won for us multiple times before. But like people were saying it's like too hard of a field for Daniel Berger to win in, which I think is ridiculous because when he won the Charles Schwab, it was a much tougher field than this. So yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense with that comment, but somehow there's that narrative going around that like he can't win in hard fields. I mean, who wins in harder fields? Yeah, well, and he's done it. He did it. Like, well, no, I know, but like, who, who, who is it then? Yeah. No, yeah. How many wins does Shane Lowry have in the PJ Tour? Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah. I mean, he won. He won, the, he won a British Open, 100. Yeah. percent That's what I'm saying. You can make this narrative about plenty of people that didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Shane Lowry just blew a fucking tournament too. Like. So there's plenty of plenty of players that don't close all the time. Dunk him and take Matt Fitzpatrick, who's never won. Like I don't get it. No, yeah, the Danny Berger Slater will not be tolerated here. Matt Fitzpatrick can't win in anything. And for what's worth, I really love this section of the board in general. I think you could go, you could make your whole card between thirty and fifty, and feel pretty good about it. Um, I've heavily considered Webb Simpson. Obviously, I think this is it's. A horse with a course perspective. Webb also popped second in my model. He's a freak at these shorter courses. Pete Dye Design, he loves this kind of strategic golf course where he doesn't have to be long off the tee. He's played here a ton of times. He has a runner-up, a first-place finish, three other top 11 performances. Um, he's never missed a cut. He's phenomenal here. I think he's – if you're looking for a potential lock, I think you know him for top 20 or top 30 is probably a great play. He's at pretty good value. Joaquin Neiman – playing great golf, coming off of his win at the Genesis, played pretty well at the Masters, looks as good as he has. And then, obviously, Jordan Spieth is at a pretty high number. Billy Horschel's played really good golf. Tommy Fleetwood showed you a little something. I'm going back, after all that said, um, going back to Russell Henley, which I I don't care. It's I'm going to say this forever until he wins, but he's just – is so good at golf to not win more or at least come inside the top 10 more. But I've obviously been on him for a couple of collapses and he has kind of a mixed bag at this event. Finished ninth here last year, finished sixth in his original appearance back in 2013. And then his four missed cuts at 23rd and 26th. But going with the narrative of playing at the masters last week, we saw a him play okay. He had some moments on the weekend where he kind of got back some strokes, finished 30th, nothing super impressive. And then you look, he still hasn't missed a cut since last year's Open Championship in July, which is something that I continue to say about him, but I'm going to play him to win. I'm going to play him as a top 20 this week. And I just really like Russell Hundy's game, and especially at a shorter course where he doesn't have to be long off the tee. And it's going to be a huge second shot course. He's first in this field in strokes gain on approach, 11th in green and regulations gained. He's third in strokes gain total on shorter on courses under 7,200 yards. This is a perfect course for Russell Henley. He's been good around the greens. Pretty much everything you would ask for out of a player, he checked all the boxes this week. He's kind of in that range where I just mentioned all the other golfers that I think are good plays too, which I'll probably bite my tongue after Webb Simpson or Joaquin Neiman wins, but I've gone with Russell Henley, so. Well, yeah, I, I, I <laughs> your guy. I'm not surprised by it. Um, and hey, I mean, I think that he's probably going to be 
up on the first page of the leaderboard on the weekend at some point. Uh, he just has to close one of these out. So, well, I'm going to take him first round leader too. I know our boy Brian Kirshner already tweeted that today. Russell Henley, first round leader, obviously Heritage. It's a great play for sure. He could easily yeah, finish first round leader and then play horribly Friday, play good Saturday, and then play poor, poorly Sunday and finish 31st. So, yeah, I don't hate that play at all. I might have to get on board. Um, so, under 50, who else you like? I am going to take Joaquin Neiman. Okay. Uh, 32, I see here on FanDuel. He played well for a while last week at the Masters. Um, didn't have a great weekend, but he was in the mix for a while. He's he's good off the tee. I thought it was actually – I will say this. I thought it was very impressive for him. I'll give him credit how well he played Thursday and Friday while being paired with Tiger. Because oh, yeah. It's not an easy like grouping to be in. He's never seen anything like that before with that kind of crowd and everyone, you know, going nuts for him. So I thought that was a very impressive showing for him, um, especially at that course. But I like him this week. He's good off the tee, um, and he's going to be able to club down. He's a long guy. He's gained over two strokes on approach in three of his last four starts. Um, Another thing to his credit is he actually his short game has improved tremendously this year. He now has seven straight events where he's gain strokes around the green. Um, he was a complete mess, you know, a year or two ago with the short game, and he's improved that a lot. So um, I like him. I think he's turning into a guy that can kind of go out and have a chance to win most weeks. And we talked about him last year kind of making that turn where he stopped missing a lot of cuts and was just, you know, making a ton of cuts and being more consistent. And I think this year he's starting to take the jump where – He's taken that consistency and now starting to contend in a lot more events. Um, so I look kind of forward to him just keep keep rising. I think that he's got a good chance this week, so I'm going to be on board him. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, Neiman, he's proven to be much better than Matthew Wolf. We'll say that. He's definitely behind the other young guns in his generation of Scheffler, Morikawa, and Hovland, but he's not far behind, and he's – I mean, he's made a name for himself, and he could definitely win – this type of golf tournament. Um, I do think that like, obviously his driving distance gets mitigated here a bit, but he's been able to play the ball each way. It's been able to shape his shots the way he wants. So I think a targeted golf course doesn't necessarily hurt him. So I like it. Um, I didn't go there. I didn't go with Webb, And I had to go back to another guy who I love on these shorter courses, who I think gets up for these type of events is an absolute bulldog. Game time player, Kevin Kisner, 45 to 1. I think he was at a much better number at a certain point. And maybe I'll check DraftKings right now. So he's at there. He's at 55 to 1 on DraftKings. So, there are, you know, there are better numbers out there. But Kevin Kisner, um, short course savant. He's played really well at RBC Heritage, just not over the past few years. He's missed both cuts. Kind of surprising for him to do that. But obviously, he does have multiple top tens here. Second place finish in 2015th and 11th back in 2017, and it's one of those places where, you know, him being a little bit more of a veteran now, I don't think this is not a place where you need to be young to win. Um, I think I saw somewhere like the average age of the golfers that have won here over the past, like, seven or eight years, or 32. I think Stuart Sink probably raises that average a little bit, but nevertheless, <laughs> veterans, <laughs> short guys off the tee can definitely win here, and uh, – I do like his not you know not to be a shot at sort of sake at all. Obviously, <laughs> he's played great golf over the past couple of years. So, 
But yeah, Kisner. Um, kind of been pretty consistent recently. I mean, he played well at the players, played okay at the Valspar, played okay at the Masters. Um, actually played better than he finished at the Masters. He finished 44th. Pretty poor performance on the weekend as well. So I uh, like him coming off of, uh, of the Masters week and playing at a course he's very familiar with at a short course where he knows he has a chance to win before he tees off. And I like that about kids. Yeah, I don't hate that. I think this is a pretty good course for him. Um, it's kind of the type of track that he does well at. You know, we saw him win at Sedgefield last year, which is, you know, one of those shorter courses. Um, he's had success before Pete dies, so I like that call. I I haven't gone there. I'm considering a little bit Tyrell Hatton. Um, wow. Oh, my God. I didn't know what was going to come out of your mouth. I thought you were going to say Billy Horschel, and no, either like, of them would have been – Equally surprising. So yeah, thirty-seven to one. I he's been playing pretty well lately. I mean, last week I he was the he worst was, golfer on the course in the cup. What's that? He was the worst golfer on the no, course. No, I know, but the first two days, like he just couldn't make a putt the first two days, and he was still kind of hanging around. Um, he did not mince his words <laughs> afterwards. He had some things to say about Augusta, which is kind of an uncharted territory for a lot of these guys on tour. He had some complaints about it. Um. But he was playing pretty well leading into it. I, 37 is, is kind of a good number on him. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm considering it. I mean, this is the type of, of course I, I like him at. Um, I haven't got is that he able yet, to shake but, off last week that easily? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think he just has a little outburst and he gets over I mean, it. He was fake shooting people with his, with his club. <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. I'll give him credit. Yeah. Well, I mean – well, it's funny because he was paired with Billy Horschel, and um, Billy was complimenting how fun he was to play with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're they're match made in heaven. To be honest, they should. Be <laughs> they too. really are. Yeah, they should be paired together pretty often. Um, yeah, I mean, his history here is not horrible. It's, you know, he obviously he has a third place finish, made three out of four cuts. In theory, you would think a great place for him. He has, can be very accurate off the tee and can be great with his approach. I would be scared just of his mental headspace after last week, but you never know what you're going to get with Tyrell. So 37, if he was, if he had played well at the Masters, he'd be down with Matt Fitzpatrick most likely. So um, I don't hate it, but we're over 50 to 1. Also, I would say Harold Varner finished runner up here last year, but 42 to 1. Get out of here. 45 to 1, whatever. Not happening. Uh, Kevin Na. Alex Noren, Matt Kuchar, Maverick McNeely, all 50 to 1 on FanDuel, Brian Harmon, Sibu Kim, Chris Kirk, between 55 and 65, as well as Adam Hadwin, Jason Kokrak. And then we're 80 and above with Kevin Stroman, Cameron Tringali, Ian Poulter, Mito, Doug Gim, and then a slew of guys in 95, and then we're over 100. So I'll open the floor to you if there's guys in between 50 and 95 that you like this week, Matt. Otherwise, I've kind of locked in those four plays I mentioned, and I'm going with a couple long shots that I like, and then that'll be it for me it was on the outright card. Yeah, I uh, I like Siwoo this week. Siwoo. Yeah, see if it's five to one here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get better than that or not. I'll have to take a look around. Um, but I he's been a little bit of a, a mixed bag here. He's missed a couple cuts. I think he has a, a fifth. Um, a 13th and a 25th or something like that. And, but this is a type of course I like him on. Like if I think of the prototypical Siwoo Kim course, it's like the shorter Pete die. 
mean, he's won at Sawgrass. He's won at the um, stadium course, uh, yep. PGA West at the Amex. The Amex. He's performed well at the shorter courses at Sedgefield. He's had some good results. So this is like kind of the type of course for Siwoo Kim. He's really good on Pete Dyes. He's had a pretty good year. Um, he has some good finishes early in the year, and he's been fairly consistent this year. I mean, he's a lot improved since the Siwoo we saw him at, where he was either like contending for a tournament or hilariously missing the cut. So, sure. But he um, still has that in his bag, too. He does. Yeah, no, I'm not rolling that out of there. He could blow up this week. But I'm willing to take a chance of a 55 to 1. I think he actually contends and hangs around enough and now consistently at these type of events where I think it's a pretty good number on him. That's fair. That's very fair. I think you could probably make the same case for <clears throat> I mean not the same case. No, there is no same case with Siwa Kim. He is he is <laughs> he is his own beast. You cannot compare anyone else with Siwa Kim. Um but I think you can make a case for Adam Hadron this week. I think you can make a case for Brian Harmon this week. Um, you know, kind of shorter hitters that have played well at these shorter type tracks. Hadwin in particular, I think, is pretty good value at 65 to 1. He actually finished third in my model that I made. Um, he's been really good recently, which is making me kind of reconsider where my card is at right now currently. But Adam Hadwin will not be winning this tournament, so I'm not going to do that. Um, and same thing with Brian Harmon. Like, we can talk about them, but they're not going to win. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> other than that, I, Kokrak's had a pretty big number, but I think this course kind of mitigates his strength with his driving distance. Uh, I mentioned Mito. He's at 85 to 1. It's, it, you know, it kind of is getting that range where I feel like he's getting at pretty big numbers, which is nice, but not worth it for me. We've kind of seen these flashes in the pan kind of not come to fruition. I mean, we did see Garrett Cago win the Palmetto, but then he's been pretty horrible ever since. I know that for a fact because he missed the cut by Thomas Jorks last week. Um, and After a good day, Thursday too. Right, yeah, even par. Yeah, he yeah. Sh- should have made the cut. He finished 11 over, I believe. So, <laughs> um, you know, you kind of don't know what you're going to get with some of these younger guys. So. I, I kind of trust the plotters and the veterans, so to speak, guys who yeah, are just here at a, to a bigger degree than, than them. Yeah, so, I think that's a good point because yeah. I think that we get spoiled sometimes with, like, the guys who come up and win right away. And then, like, even, like, Scotty Scheffler was like, oh, like, it took him, like, a little while to win. Like, same as Al Torres. People are like, oh, like, you can't really win. Um, and you kind of forget how hard it is to win. And I think Mito's, like, not even really on their level. So, I think to kind of like expect him to just have that immediate success is just kind of a little unfair to him. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's yeah. It's not really a question that he's going to win a tournament. He's got the talent to do it. It's just like, I don't know if he could put it together for four days, and we haven't seen it. That's for sure. So guys that are interest, interested in kind of top 20 type plays, uh, Russell Knox, this feels like a Russell Knox type track. I mean, yeah, he's I mean- a green, green regulations machine. It's extremely consistent off the tee, really good with his approach, and has actually played really well on these shorter courses. He is 10th in the strokes game total over his last 36 rounds of this course in particular. Played really well at Sedgefield, played well at Colonial, um, plays well at most tracks under 7,200 yards. So I don't – now that I say it, I should probably – Can you see him sneaking it out? I don't know if I can see him sneaking it out. I mean, he's missed his last three cuts here, but I think he's playing better golf than he has been over those years. And we've seen him 
He has three top 11s with a runner-up in 2016 and five made toss out of eight appearances here. So I'm going to take him for sure as a top 20. And consistency-wise, I mean, he hasn't missed a cut since the Amex, and he's played eight events since. So he's made eight straight cuts. 95 to 1 feels like a pretty good shot, but I'm – yeah, I don't care. Fuck it. I'm going to take him for 95 to 1. Yeah, I'm considering it. I'm considering it. I I just kind of talked myself into that because it's – Yeah, I was like – When you get this deep down the board and you kind of like a guy, I mean, I really do like him as a top 20. I think he's got everything you need this week, and he has played good golf. I mean, he hasn't been spectacular by any means, but he was really good at the players. He was very consistent over a stretch at Pebble, Phoenix, and the Genesis. Didn't play great at the Valero or the Valspar, but I think Russell Knox is the kind of guy that can definitely play well with the scores and has in the past, so – think that's enough yeah i like it um i might get in on that as well i was i was looking at him i had two names checked down here that i was considering um him and evr okay and uh for whatever reason i I just keep getting drawn to evr i might just settle on him for for a top 20 um i do think he's a little bit better than being down here but there are some good names down here actually i mean the more you look at it like luke list is all the way down yeah. to one, and he won this year. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like a good Luke List course, but even Tom no. Ogie also won this year. Yeah, seems like it would be a good Tom Ogie course. He doesn't have a good course history. Uh, Danny McCarthy, a guy I've mentioned a thousand times. Charles Howell the third, Chucky three six, one of the originals on the podcast. <laughs> He's actually been playing pretty good golf. There's some pretty good names around hundred to one. So I think the top twenty card could end up being a little bit crazier than I originally anticipated. You didn't even name your boy Ricky Fowler in triple digits. That's, you know, I'm. Uh, if there's a course where, like, you know, we talked about some veterans have had success and you have some long shot winners, he's kind of checking your boxes there. Yeah, but. Uh, I w- if, if he had shown me anything at this course. <laughs> what if you will take Ricky Fowler? I take Ricky Fowler and he wins. He's not going to win, so I don't really have to worry about All right. that. All right, take him. <laughs> I'm gonna think about. That's so rude, honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. That's fucking rude, Matthew. <laughs> I'm sorry to jump in on this, but yeah, I That's can't believe what sh- you're doing right now. Yeah, you're gonna take him. You, you I, know, I you right. know what what these two guys here have been through with Ricky Fowler for over the past what decade? Yeah. Yeah. What makes been- you want to take him? He's been horrible on short courses. He's been horrible on approach. He hasn't been good at anything. His RBC Heritage past results are two appearances and two missed cuts, eight years apart. He's going to pull a Stuart Sink out of his ass? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's a long shot. Maybe I won't take him. I don't know. Well, now you're making me want to do it just because you pressed you, you press my buttons. It's what we, we haven't seen him with this number. In, has he gotten to the triple digits? Yes. Yes. He's not even making the majors, dude, or the players. Yeah, I know, I know that. But yeah, he's been a triple digits, but that's fine. Fine. A lot of good We're players not making the majors. We'll say that. A lot of good players aren't making the majors. Keith Mitchell was left out of the Masters. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. I mean, that's we didn't start changing the qualifications around. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're right. Well, Keith Mitchell's more deserving of making a major right now than Ricky Fowler. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> Is Keith Mitchell right. in the field this week? Keith, yeah, why I, don't know, Keith? No, I don't know why he's not in the field this week. He didn't play last week. He's yeah, ready. He's resting. You know who else 
I'll say who else I was pissed off at, who I was going to take, and he's – I don't know why he's not here, is Gary Woodland. He's like a short course guy now. He short course Gary? I don't, I don't know where he is. Mr. Club down? Yeah, it's perfect for him. All right, well, let's look at the guys that are playing this week. Sure. Keith Mitchell right, and Gary are not here. And, I mean, you just led me into a Ricky Fowler take that I didn't want to have. Like, I didn't want to talk shit about Ricky. I didn't want to <laughs> take him. And now I'm feeling like maybe I should just to say I did. But I just feel like we've seen some weird things lately. Like, Charles Schwartzel last week out of nowhere plays well. He's down. He's sitting next to him at 100 to 1. Charles Schwartzel, the week before the Masters, was 500 to 1 at the Valero Texas Open. He's if not they like, do a make-miss cut prop on Ricky, I'll take that. Right. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to look for it. Yeah. All right. Otherwise, we're over 100 to 1, obviously, because Ricky Fowler is at 100 to 1. Um, I have a few bombs and a few veteran thoughts, which I have had a lot recently for these like kind of non-major tournaments. Um, but I'll just start out there. I'm taking Matthew Neesmith, and I'm taking Henrik Norlander. Ball striking savants, not missing out on them being relevant on the weekend, like I potentially did with Neesmith at the Valspar. Um, so Neesmith's only at 131 on FanDuel. Pretty sure that there are better numbers out there. I'm, I'm hoping that there is. Yeah, he's 180 on DraftKings. Norlander, 320 on FanDuel. Um, and... I think he actually – that might be the highest you can get. 320 is pretty good. Nope, just kidding. He's 500 on DraftKings. Boom. So he's at the bottom of the barrel. He's next to Morgan Hoffman, who hasn't played a golf tournament in God knows how long. Uh, so, good story, though. He, oh, it's a great story. Yeah. I was going to get into that. I think Morgan Hoffman, top 30, just play it. Well, he, but he needs to – like for his exemption, right, he still has like – he needs to do well on his next couple starts, right? Yeah, he's going to get in the top 30. Yeah, if you haven't read the Golf Digest article on him, like you have to check it out. It's insane. Yeah, he's a freak. I can't even begin to describe. Like, yeah. I can't even do it justice. He's much gone through so much it. body transformation. The fact that he's coming back out to play is absurd. So I kind of, I like they won't do it, but I want him to be in a feature group. They should do it because I feel like people are would be interested in watching that. They should put him with Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler and make it a, a group. Yeah, they really I should. I almost wish that. Abe waited till the feature groups came out to withdraw because I think Hoffman subbed in for him. So he would have been in one. Maybe he is in one. They just haven't come out yet. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know when they determined it. Yeah. I know. They might have predetermined it and Abe would have been in one. Yeah. Yeah. And in in that thought process, we obviously have to have a piece of Morgan Hoffman this week. So. I mean, I, we've seen dumber, dumber selections for feature groups. I could see them him, them putting them in based on the storyline. They should. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. <sighs> Sorry, man. Back to long shots. Who else do you have? Boss, you can stick around because we're almost we're wrapping up here. I, I'm here with you. I'm like looking down on it. I mean, I don't think JT Poston's done enough recently to, to take him, but a guy <laughs> stood out to me next to him. I mean, is it crazy to consider Bo Hostler at 120 to 1? Not really. He was playing pretty well going into – I mean, he didn't play last week, but he was fourth at the Valero. Um, he missed a cut at the players, but then 20th at the Arnold Palmer, 16th at the Honda, uh, you know, made the cut at the Genesis. I feel like he's kind of starting to find his game a little bit. 120 seems pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because he actually does have some pretty good performances while 
showing some ridiculously bad statistics. Like he's <laughs> over a hundred in every metric that I have pulled up in my model, um, except for greens and regulation gain is 55th and strokes gain around the green is 26th. He's been bad here. He's been bad at Sedgefield, bad at Colonial, bad on short courses under 7,200 yards, bad in proximity ranges under 150. He's not been good off the tee, but he's he has he has a fourth and a twentieth, a sixteenth, and he made the cut of the Genesis and third of Pebble Beach. So it kind of doesn't make sense. He might be just be an outlier there where he can pull it together somehow, but. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Saving strokes somewhere. And no yeah. one's catching I've also just never really appreciated Bo Hostler. He's kind of dorky. Yeah. Yeah. But the visor gets me going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like you could either pull off the visor, like Keith Mitchell, for instance, or you <laughs> have trouble. Like, I feel like Bo, like, I hate to say because I do appreciate a visor, but like, I feel like maybe he should go hat. <laughs> he kind of feels like the guy that should just not wear a hat. Yeah, just like no, yeah, no hat. He yeah. has a weird head. It's like hats are supposed to be Richard Bland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Richard Bland doesn't wear a hat. I don't think he does. Right? I don't think he, <laughs> don't think he does. That's a good shout. Wow. All right. Yeah, Richard. I thought yeah. I saw where I saw him wearing a hat at the match play, but maybe. He, yeah, I think he didn't. Like in Europe, I don't know if he does now. Maybe he got a sponsor or something. Depends on the conditions, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all right. So Bo was not expecting that at all. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> I guess we're something up. It's not going well lately in the outright market. So, like, maybe it's time to start switching things around. Okay, that's fair. So now I'm going back to another familiar name, I guess, that I've mentioned a decent amount. But Joel Damon, um, I feel like he's in a pretty good number, 131, short course. He's played here twice, 48th, 16th. I'm going to take him in the top 20 market, probably sprinkle an outright because why not? <laughs> If there's a comparison for the best finish he's had in 2022, he finished sixth at Pebble Beach. Also, extremely small greens, which we didn't really mention this week, but there are small greens, tough to. I did attack, say that in the opening. Which, so I think, you know, he obviously played really well. Thanks for paying attention to the course description. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, a little, it was a while ago. So, either way, <laughs> surprisingly, he finished six there with not really hitting his approaches that well and being mediocre around the green. Um, so, I think his game can kind of shape up well for a course like this. And we'll see. I mean, his only player twice, 131, felt like a pretty good number for Joel. Um, and then my two veteran long shot top 20, top 30 thoughts are Jim Furyk and uh, Luke Donald. So, going back. <laughs> Going back to the Luke Donald, well, uh, he's still top five in strokes on approach in his last 36 rounds in this field. Um, played really well here. Short course, doesn't have to be worried, doesn't have to worry about being long off the tee. And I can't, I mean, he really burned me um, recently at, was that Valero? No, Valspar. No, no, Valero. No, it was Valero. Because I didn't bet him at the Valspar. He finished 16th. Then he makes a cut at the Valero, was inside the top 20, and ended up finishing 58th. So I still think he's playing good golf. Like, there's something to be said about a guy in his mid-40s that's still got a good iron game and doesn't have to be long off the tee. I feel like he's coming in, looking at what happened last year and seeing Stuart Sink when he's like, I got a chance here. So I like that. He's at, I mean, 250 or higher 
Luke Donald, but I'm going to be taking him to the top 20, top 30. Sprinkle the outright. Furyk as well is like <laughs> another course that Jim Furyk's won here twice. Makes kind of no sense, but he is seventh in the model I made this this week. Maybe focus a little bit too much on um, course history and <laughs> short courses, we'll say. Because um, he has actually missed his last three cuts here and finished 70th in 2018 and missed a cut in 2017. So he actually hasn't played well here since he won in 2015, so I might be reconsidering my thought process on Jim Fair. But how did he finish seventh in my model? It's insane. See, this is why we talk it through. This is what we're here for. I'm annoyed by that. Also sounds like you just opened up a spot for Ricky Fowler. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> for what I just rambled on with, with everything, considering Matthew Neesmith, Smith, Henrik Norlander, Joel Damon. And also, I like Harry Higgs top 20 this week, coming off of his master's play. So, mm-hmm. What about – Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I'm looking at a list here. Now I've taken this guy at worse, you know, numbers than this. What about Ches Rubies, three hundred twenty to one? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, not a long course. Like, yeah, I get he's been struggling, I guess, but like he had a tenth at the Genesis. That wasn't that long ago. Um, he made it's the long Palmer. He had a thirty ninth at the Valspar. Like, I mean, not great, but it's not that bad for deserve. You know, to deserve a three hundred twenty to one. It's he not good. It. He has won on the PGA Tour before. I mean, might be that veteran play down there. Might be that veteran play. So that's what I'm saying. Veteran plays in play. I I can't say anymore because I've gone down a rabbit hole here of <laughs> saying things that I'm going to regret. So I being honest with the people here, Jim Furyk may not end up on the card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to talk Ricky Fowler off there. I, well, I might talk him, him on there. Yeah, I just wanted to cause some commotion on that one. Ah, sick, dude. <laughs> Speaking of that, dude, CT Penn. No? Yeah, no, I, I I thought about him. Oh, you thought? You didn't even mention him. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a silent thought. It's a silent thought, yeah, well. I mean, former champion, Olympic medalist. <laughs> yeah, he did medal at the Olympics. Yeah. Previous champion here, yeah. yeah you're right. So... Speaking a lot of sense, a lot, lot more sense than someone who just touted Ricky Fowler a couple minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, before we, I guess, recap our thoughts here. Um, <laughs> one and done this week. I, you know, it's. I actually think it, this is one of those weeks where I think the percentages of players taken will be more spread out than usual. So it, it, it would be a nice week to hit a winner in a one and done market because I think you'll get a nice boost. Um, so, like I said, unfortunately, I was looking to take Corey Connors, but for whatever reason, I've thought about taking him before and wasted him. Um, and I'm going to take Daniel Berger instead. Okay. So that's where I'm going. I I might take uh, Joaquin Neiman. I think he's the safest of my top plays. I've already used Daniel Berger, so um, kind of falls to him, I think. See where we might be a little bit risky and the rest of my picks as, uh, you know, we've kind of gone through – a little bit risky as well, so I feel like Neiman's kind of the play there. Okay, boss? I'm thinking Webb, which means he will surely be the highest-owned, most square, one-and-done player and probably miss the cut then. So. Okay. Yeah, I've kind of been the Webb whisperer, though, in the past. I, I've i won on Webb here, so I'm I'm loyal, loyal to my guys when they come through for me. To an extent, 
to an extent, but I think he's... What extent? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I, I take a, a, a big picture view at things. You know, I'm not just going to blindly jump back in. But, you know, I think Webb's finally healthy again, and I think this is a course, you know, there's, you know, there's Webb courses out there, as we all reference. This is yeah. one of them. So I think this is a spot that you would deploy Webb, and I think it's a good spot for him. So just to be fair, there is no extent, right? Yeah, there's an extent. <laughs> all right, fine. Um, all right, well, and then also, are you taking anyone else this week outright? Yeah, so I'm living right in that 30 to 50 range. You know, you referenced this was this would be a good spot to live in, and that's yeah. just where I'm, I'm, you know, moving right on in. I'll be on Burger there with you guys. I think it's a good good course for Burger. I mean, this is a good course for all the guys, so I'll save that spiel. But Burger, Neiman, I'll be on Webb. Loyalty play there. Got to go back to my guy. Got it done for me here. Uh, Kisner and then Henley. So right in that's, there. Wow. See, that's what I'm saying. You could easily make a five-person card between 30 and 50. Simple. Honestly, this this might have been the easiest card of the year for me to make. I kind of ran through yesterday, you know, looking at stuff, getting prepared. Wrote down a couple names. And, you know, it, usually I do that and then the odds come out. And it's like, well, we can't really do this responsibly with the bankroll that we're working with here. But, you know, some weeks it shakes out where the numbers fall in the right spots and it's just falls into place nicely. So hopefully that means the winner will equally as nicely fall into place for us. But I like it. Yeah. So just to recap, I mean, we're a lot of, we're living, we're living in that range. I mean, I have Corey Connors at 26, Danny Berger at 31. Russell Henley has already moved from 40 to 38 since we've been talking. And then Kevin Kisner at 45. Uh, then I have some decisions made down the board, obviously. I've mentioned a ton of players, Russell Knox being one of them, Ricky Fowler's now on the, on the mind, Matthew Neesmith, Joel Damon, and then Henrik Norlander and Luke Donald and Chip Furyk. So um, <laughs> definitely not taking Chip Furyk out right now. So. <laughs> um, and then some other top 20 thoughts. I mean, I I do like Russell Knox in that, in that theory. I do like Harry Higgs to continue his good playoff last week. I think those will be some nice top 20 odds. Um, and just as a throwing shit on the wall and uh, going with the holistic approach at things, Morgan Hoffman, it's got to be a good top 20 play. I can get I that mean, Morgan Hoffman play too. I say good. I just mean like it'll be a nice oh, number. Yeah. 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 It'll be 13 to 1, I'm hoping. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, something like that. I'll get in on that too just for, you know, good measures. Um I am going to take Berger, 31, uh, Neiman, 32, Siwoo, 55. I see right here. I'll see how that shakes out, but that might be the best I could find. Um, Knox, I think, 95. <laughs> we'll see what happens with Fowler. Uh, I feel kind of bad now. If you end up taking it, I might have to, to get on board. Um, but other than that, I'm looking at Bo Hostler, 120, and Chaz Revy, three twenty. That feels that feels good. I've taken Chaz at like eighty to one recently, so I feel like three twenty. I can't let that pass. Yeah, I have no idea how many. I have no idea how much golf Morgan Hoffman's played, but he's at sixteen to one to be top twenty. According to the article, um, there is like a course and driving range around there. So it's well, no, I mean, yeah. well, yeah, but if you read that article too, it was like he barely goes. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully it's picked it up lately. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a good vibe on that island, though. Like, he's... yeah, it, it sounds like a pretty sweet place to live, minus the you know drinking your own piss and stuff. 
for the, I think I'm going to also add in a uh, EVR like top twenty. I might have a finishing position on Hatton because, given what transpired further down the board, he might not be able to make it on the card um, as an outright. But yeah, some sort of combination of those guys um, that I mentioned in finishing positions as well. <laughs> and I'm going to have him with it. All right. Well, episode 100. All right. Real, real quick, I just have something I want to throw in here, get your guys' quick quick reaction on. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies scored five runs in the bottom of the eighth to come back and beat the Mets 5-4 tonight. Let's go. You know, it's funny. I actually was going to mention that because I saw the updates coming in on my phone, and it's despicable. It's tough. Let's say that's what happens when you have that kind of offense. Put on those runs in a hurry. The Phillies <laughs> <laughs> the Phillies suck, dude. Let's yeah. go. Hey, three and one. Seth Lugo, nice outing, dude. Point one <laughs> innings, two earned runs, and the loss and a blown save. Yeah, it's nice. So good for Seth. Knocking for the Mets. Um, all right, yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> what I was gonna say, episode one hundred is right around the corner. A few more majors coming around the corner. Some big tournaments coming around the corner. Next week's the Zurich Classic, which we may or may not have an episode for. But we're hitting winners this week, living in that 30 to 50 range. So let's get it. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs>